0: And welcome to this week's episode of The Curious Life podcast. My name is Yana Firestone, and today I'm joined by one of Australia's favorite storytellers. You might know her from The Cloud's Daughters, All Saints, The Secret Life of Us, or if you had a baby in the last 10 years, you probably know her as Rachel from Play School. That's right, I'm talking about Rachel Coops. Rach, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Yana. It's great to be on the show.
0: <laughs> great to have you. <laughs> It's actually really exciting to be talking with you today because not only have you been on our screens as a performer for over 20 years, you're also a writer, director, a mentor and a yoga teacher, not to mention a single mum doing the incredible work that single mums do and raising your beautiful boy in Sydney. So there's so much to unpack there, but maybe we can start off by having a chat about how you got started as a performer. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess
1: I often get asked this and, and I don't have a very eloquent answer to it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, on reflection, I've always loved stories. I don't know that I was always a, a performer necessarily. I, mm-hmm. I was always drawn to unpacking things, whether they're stories or concept or you know I was quite academic as well so I was kind of hungry in retrospect I think to understand the world and performing is such such an extraordinary way to do that you really have Mm. to be incredibly vulnerable and open and curious and at the same time incredibly resilient you have to have a kind of beginner's mind all the time to be open to whatever is on the page in front of you and so Mm. I think it was just, yeah, it was curiosity that drew me to the stage. There, there might've been a little bit of a performative element. I think I love, I love people and I love mm-hmm. connecting. I love being in a theater the you know, in a dark room, creating magic, telling stories mm. to an audience and and sharing this experience with, it's like a co-creation every night on stage. And same with television you you, you're always creating something with with this family this group of people that is a very and everyone's so passionate and dedicated no one gets into the arts for the money
0: um you know
1: it's yeah uh, and and certainly no one stays long term for decades as a performer or writer without just having that very deep burning desire and love for expression or curiosity or whatever it is for them so yeah Yeah. I think it was you know a very slow burn from very young I was writing you know writing songs and writing stories and and performing in my room and um professionally (laughs) it really began in my final years of school I uh, mm-hmm. got a little more heavily involved. I went. I started studying at Australian Theatre for Young People, which you know over the years I've, I've gone back and worked for them and written plays and been very supported by them, over the past 25 years actually, and mm-hmm. that that gave me a little bit of a, a taste for what it was like to potentially you know do this and get paid for it, and I got my first job out of school. Little bit by accident, um, a friend's die. A family friend worked for an advertising agency, and they were looking just for faces, young faces, for an Apple mm. stills commercial. When <laughs> Apple was just like the new thing, yeah. <laughs> and it was this like you know double page spread in some magazine of Apple and, and all these different faces. And she's like, you know, do you want to do this? And from that, I I got an agent, and then before I knew it, I was I was doing my first film. I almost didn't turn up for my callback of my first film audition because I was at uni and I was hung over <laughs> and I didn't think there's any way I was going to get it so I was like oh I don't think I'm going to go and then I realized during the callback they were putting me together with other young actors and I was like oh I think I'm pretty close to getting this role right <laughs> lucky <out>. I just- <laughs> <laughs> so you know I think like a lot of these things it's yeah it, it's a slow burn it's mm. it's and then life happens and before you know it you're on the next adventure and I i worked for years in television and, and kind of did it the opposite to everyone else in my, my twenties. I decided after I'd been working in television for, you know, almost 10 years, it's like, I think I want to study. I think I feel feel like I'm going to get caught out as a fraud I've never really studied acting I did a commerce degree at Sydney Uni Wow. so then I studied theatre in Paris with a teacher I'd always wanted to study with Mm. and um and then after that came back to Australia and was writing a lot more actually than I was performing I was still performing but but writing started to become more compelling
0: Mm, interesting I actually wanted to ask you about because you won a scholarship to study in Paris didn't you which is like every creative's fantasy really Mm. um what was that really like for you? Oh, my God. You
1: know, the Paris days are in many ways are the most, were the most profound and I guess the closest I felt to to myself mm. for the first time in my life. There was a lot of creative freedom. I was studying theatre in the days or in the, in the afternoons and evenings really and then in the mornings I would teach financial English. I lived with a French girlfriend and um, a French guy in a, in an apartment on a rooftop in Paris with a little terrace, a little yeah. outdoor area which was unheard oh of in God, Paris. Amazing. <laughs> and you know for 2 years really got to do what I love more deeply than anything which is is just be creative mm. and it was a really it was such an extraordinary couple of years and and I'm still very close to that whole my little Paris family and some of them are back in Australia and some of them are still there and mm-hmm. it was a really beautiful time in my life where I had the luxury of of diving into creativity full time wow in Paris yeah
0: (laughs) it doesn't get any better than that really no no wow magic so we were talking about Paris and coming back from Paris and focusing on writing so what what kind of writing work were you doing
1: well, at the time I was doing, I was working on McLeod's Daughters and mm-hmm. I, I did a play around the same time at, at the Griffin in the evenings. And so I was kind, I was going backwards and forwards to Adelaide, but I started to write some theatre and mm. I'd written a play in Paris, which, and the first, you know, it was an early draft and, and needed a bit of work. So I did some more work on Art House And that play ended up then going over to London to open at the Old Red Line, which is a little independent theatre there, and then the Edinburgh Festival with people, collaborators who I'd worked with, and who'd studied at Lecoq, the the other theatre school in Paris, an English guy, and a couple of English actresses who I, you know, spent two years with collaborating and creating with. So it was really exciting to come wow. back home, be working here, writing, and then go back to the crew that I'd spent that creative time with, and and it was a really amazing learning curve in in how to write theatre and how to create theatre mm. and how to get it up. And I fundraised to get the shop in Edinburgh. And it was, it was really, yeah, it was the the beginning of my love for, for writing my own stuff. Wow. And I had written a little bit of television, you know, the years before that I I contributed to life support this comedy show that Mm. was satirical and very fast and furious in the making, but having that (laughs) time to keep drafting something and creating, telling a story that I, I really believed in and that was lucky enough to have many eyes on it and collaboration to make it better. That was the first the first step in that process yeah. towards theatre loving.
0: Wow. Was, did you ever feel any conflict between pursuing a performer career and the writer-creator side of things or can they marry together well?
1: Yeah, Look, I think I did and and I probably, until I had my son, mm-hmm. I focused more on performing mm-hmm. partly because I, just, I loved it so much and I wasn't ready to spend more of that time in creating my own work. Mm-hmm. And then once I had Gabriel, it, it was very apparent to me very quickly that it was going to become more challenging for some time as a single parent to do either theatre hours or TV hours, and so actually yeah. there was there was no real trauma around the decision because it was made for me. Okay, but absolutely, yeah. I I did feel conflicted, and I felt like you can't really do both well, even though there's many many performers in Australia and internationally who do. And I and I hazard to say that in order to survive in the industry in Australia, you you actually. It's, it's very challenging to only do one thing.
0: Mm,
1: it, the right. industry just isn't big enough to support many of us, the luxury mm-hmm. of just acting or just writing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. For, for many of us, the way to survive is to, if you're interested gen, genuinely in, in story, there's so many layers to that. And there's so many mm. ways you can contribute and con- collaborate. So yeah, there, there was always a little bit of tension for me around that. But it, I was surrounded by people who do both and do both really beautifully. And then motherhood nudged me to the side of creating my own work a little more, which was a blessing in many ways.
0: Yeah, it's funny how being a parent can do that. It's sort of makes you start thinking about your life in a different way and I guess sometimes it's the challenge of trying to do it all that kind of puts you in the position of finding something that maybe you stumble into a new passion or a new facet of your life that you hadn't really explored before.
1: Yeah and I think so much of parenthood is that the acceptance of what is is. I think the more Mm. we hold on to the things that were and are no longer and that's where all the pain lies, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no joy on that side of the rainbow. Yeah. There's only yeah. joy on the other side of the rainbow <laughs> where you go, what is, is, and so what now? What yeah. does life look like now and how can it be just as rich and exciting and joyous as it was PB, pre-baby, but, <laughs> but equally there's you, you're just not the same. The person who mm-hmm. has a child for both parents, for mum and dad or two mums or two dads, life isn't the same and you're not the same. And so I think the acceptance of that was very liberating for me. There was a little battle within it for a while and then once I I lay my weapons down and embraced the (laughs) new and stepped into things that I'd always loved but Mm -hmm. more deeply and let go of things that I'd always loved but had to just loosen the reins for for now Mm. it was was liberating you know because you're right you can't do everything well we can have everything but not all at once.
0: No that's it I've been talking to a lot of women who are kind of struggling with that concept from you know trying to follow your passions follow your creative pursuits and try and be the great parent that you sort of should be and want to be and can't always be and we're sort of sold this idea that women can have it all but I think you're right you just can't have it all at once
1: no so you have to get laser sharp in decision making and choices and knowing what is what right now is important to you and I think you only learn that by being in the trenches of parenthood you try stuff and it's a disaster and, <laughs> yeah. you, and then you go, oh, okay, okay, that did not work. I need to try something differently and then you try that and it works really beautifully and maybe it's not as fulfilling in some ways as life used to be but the, the other bits you get out of it work better. So mm-hmm. we just keep trying stuff until you find a rhythm and then, of course, their rhythm changes and so it's time for us to change again and, yeah. and the ability yeah. to be a little bit robustly flexible As creatives, I think is very useful. Mm. And the ability to to not have to be all the things all at once is very useful to go. I'm today I'm gonna do pickup and I'm gonna be a really connected (laughs) present mum. That's what I'm doing
0: today. Yeah, (laughs) and that in itself is a big challenge. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Being present. I I find that's one of the things I struggle with a lot, especially having so many fingers in so many pies and not having your mind focus on all of those other things while you're with your child is something I'm really trying to work on at the moment.
1: Yeah, for me, it's the big one. Mm. There's this in yoga, the very first yoga sutra, the first word of it is "atha." now. And Mm it said, you know, if you understand the first sutra, you don't have to read the other four chapters. You you go home, you're enlightened, you feel peace. <laughs> and there is so much in that. And I think one of my least favourite things about parenting is constantly being interrupted in my train of thought mm. and feeling like I have to be on the computer and then making the dinner and then... Yep listening to the question and then <laughs>
0: yeah. from
1: six thirty in the morning my train of thought is interrupted mom mom, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and it used to really cause me pain and I was like I've got to shift this because the life is not going to shift I yeah. have to shift yeah and so I'm trying what I'm trying to do is instead of beating myself up about how present I am in every single thing is go okay be in this thing be interrupted by it I've been interrupted I have to, now my, now my attention is going in this direction, be in that direction Mm -hmm. for a moment. Cool. And then it gets switched back and feeling a little less frustration around Mm -hmm. that because I just don't think you can, you can put rules in place. Absolutely. For yourself. Yep. And I have rules like leaving the phone and the computer, not in the, in the living room where Mm -hmm. we are, right? right. Things like that. So that I'm not, but then of course I, I creep into the kitchen <laughs> <Sure. Yeah. laughs> so you can have you can have rules in places as, especially as a freelancer but most mm-hmm. of us don't have working hours traditional yeah. working hours now right even if you're not a freelancer mm-hmm. but I I genuinely think the the bigger work is in being okay with the chaos that yeah. is our current existence yep yeah. and but- so being okay with jumping from thing to thing and 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 being easeful in those moments.
0: Mm. So I guess it's kind of, I guess it's like a mindfulness idea really, being present in the moment and accepting whatever is, is.
1: Yeah, and and this is the thing about mindfulness that I think there's so much pressure on meditating and doing breath practices and going to Qigong classes or yoga classes or doing your run or whatever it is, but actually it's really quite profound what you can do if you stay conscious Mm. in the, in the tricky moments. And I think for me, that's a lot of my, my work at the moment as a parent is going, okay, I'm feeling really frustrated. Okay. I'm feeling really Mm. angry. Oh, I must be tired. than I realized I must, Oh, that's right. I didn't actually get to do five minutes of meditation today. I probably need to up that at the moment because I'm, I'm not coping as well with the the day-to-day mm-hmm. hustle. Because some days, and I'm sure you find this, some days the hustle yeah. is fine and you yeah. kind of bounce through it and you're like, I've totally yep. got this. Look at me, I'm a super <laughs> yeah. mom. I love my life. <laughs> I don't want it to be any different. And then, <laughs> and look at my kid and you smile at your kids. You're like, oh, this is also yes. awesome. And then you wake up and you don't know why and you're like, I can't cope, today, <laughs> <is> hard. <laughs> and I think like being in that and acknowledging yeah. that, and and using that as feedback for yourself and going, Wow, like today's hard. I, I, I've got to be kinder on myself today and I've got to I haven't spoken to my girlfriends for a week. I need to call that friend. I need to prioritize having a download and a chat and a check in and and that that's for me what this this buzzword of mm-hmm. mindfulness is now is like, How is my yeah. mind?
0: Yeah. It's such a good point, you know, and I think then as parents, you know, we're faced with that on the hour, but then there's also the guilt that comes along with that, that, you know, you haven't been present and you have been frustrated and you have been yelling at them because of all the reasons that you're not coping. And really, they're just the same as every other day. It's just what we're able to take on as you said before and so like how do you forgive yourself for those days when maybe it's not going so well and you do need that extra TLC at your end look
1: I don't know about you but my parents most certainly I don't know if they had (laughs) guilt but they were not making me organic food and sitting down with me <laughs> and checking in and
0: like, <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> you know what our parents were doing? They were and putting us in front of play school. That's what they were doing.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and and you know, my mum worked yeah. and my dad was in the air force and he he was he travelled a lot and like, I think this guilt yeah. thing. I don't I don't know how much guilt our our parents mm-hmm. had because life was different and the world yeah. was different and I don't know how we forgive ourselves but I often say to my my girlfriends who are feeling bad about you know the extra day and in, in the extra afternoon mm. in aftercare or having to do before care yeah. I feel it sometimes something comes up and and I'm dropping him at before care at seven thirty in the morning and and I never wanted yeah. to do that and yeah. it is what it is because it is what it is and 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 I say to my girlfriends, and so I have to say it to myself too, Mm -hmm. Mike, we live in such a privileged bubble to be in this day and age, living in Sydney. Mm -hmm. He's in the top like 5% of the world of what's possible for a life. We go swimming a Bondi in summer almost every day. Life is not terrible. And if I'm not doing the best job in and being the most perfect human possible. If I lose my temper, if I get frustrated, he'll often tell me now, he's like, mom, did you forget to take three conscious breaths? Because <laughs> I've I'll, I'll, I'll spent years saying to him, take three conscious breaths. Ready? Uh, like, did you forget to take three conscious breaths? <laughs> yeah, I did, buddy. I totally did.
0: And yeah. just yeah. being
1: okay with that is mm. so much of it. Cause it, we, 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 it's going to be really hard to mess mess our kids up more messed up than we were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. <laughs> and I also think resilience
1: these days mm. is our kids are not as resilient as we were probably because there's so much more awareness on being conscious parents. and Yeah. But life is not easy. Life is not yeah. a walk in the park. Life doesn't always go our way and and we can we, we can do our best for our kids and then there's a degree of like they need to build up a bit of resilience. Mhm. And part of that is us not being perfect and as and I I will own it. I will always say to him, I'm really sorry. I'm tired or yeah. I'm sorry that I was frustrated this morning, but to also go, you know, it's okay to be human. It's okay to make make mistakes and life life will have its challenges for all of us. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's such a great point. You know, in my other life as a therapist, I I work with kids and parents are frequently saying to me, what's this concept of of resilience and what are we supposed to be doing and how do we teach that? And it's exactly what you just said. It's it's showing them that it's okay not to be okay and that when something happens in life as it inevitably does, whether it's your toy breaks or you don't get picked for a team or your friends don't want to play with you or... You know, whatever it is, it's how you bounce back from that that teaches them everything. So when we have those days, as you say, maybe those are the big teaching moments. They're seeing that we're not coping and we're having a bad day, mm. but then they see us bounce back and get up and get on with life and everything kind of resumes normalcy again. And maybe mm. that's that's enough. I think it is. And I think we put so much pressure
1: on ourselves to to you know as as we said before to have it all and to be the perfect parent and to be illustrating to them that I'm a really present mum but I'm also I also have a full career and and Mm. I have friends and I think it's really important for them to see that well certainly for me that Gabriel sees that I have a full life outside of him yeah he has a full life outside of me Yeah. And that he has relationships that are just as important as his relationship with me. And I have relationships with other people that are just as important. And there's that life is is multifaceted and that and it it has its challenges and it has its rewards and it has its joys and there's many different colours and shades and it's big and interesting. And I Mm. think in order you're right, in order to to help foster that, we have to model and we have to I have to be human and I have to show him that I need to prioritise my time on the yoga mat, which is the thing for me that, mm. that connects me back to myself and for, for whatever it is for you and for some people it's running or for some people it's, as I said, connecting with girlfriends. And, yeah. You know, we rebuild females, rebuild oestrogen through connection with other women. That's how we maintain the chemicals and the hormones that we need to be wow. okay. Really, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's you know how you feel once you've kind of spent some time yeah. with with other women. Nourish and we've lost that, and yeah. so him seeing that it's really important for me to go and connect with other people and do the things that I love to make to make me happy and to make me resilient and make me able to to deal with the complexities and the disappointments of life. I think is really important.
0: Yeah. So true. So true. <laughs> So we've skipped ahead a little bit, but I'd love to talk to you a little bit about play school, if that's okay. Yes. Because obviously as a child of the 80s, play school was a big part of my childhood growing up. And now it's something that my kids love to watch. And there's so much crap on TV and kids' TV is just getting louder and busier. And I mean, there's so many things that my kids are leaning towards it I just want to pull them away from Mm. and watching play school gives me this great sense of nostalgia and joy and I just think it's one of the great things that we offer in this country so I imagine you watched it growing up yourself and now you're one of the the people on there that all the kids are growing up relating to and watching and loving in the same way that we did so what's it actually like for you being on play school it's
1: it's a privilege and an honor and a joy that i take very seriously and with with mm. the greatest respect and responsibility Mm-hmm. because I recognise it's part of Australian history. I recognise how much it adds and how important it is at this in this day and age mm-hmm. in a world where, as you say, everything is getting faster. yeah. And our kids' attention is being pulled in so many areas and, and I feel like when you understand what it takes to make one episode of Play School, mm-hmm. you'll never feel guilty about putting your child in, in front of it. And it, it goes to show that... <laughs> really the simplicity of preschoolers that 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 real simplicity is what engages them the the concerts I really see it there's such a simple set and Mm. it's just connecting with kids the toys that they love stories singing and they're completely mesmerized for 45 minutes just Mm. as they are when they watch the show and it it doesn't we don't need the fast and the furious it is inevitable that their attention is going to get shorter if we keep assuming that that's what we need to do now for them yeah. is to make shows faster and furious where we're, we're mm-hmm. creating what we think is inevitable. Yeah. So I think it's a really important show. I'm really proud to be part of it. It's it's challenging. It's very. It's you know it's scripted. A lot of people don't know it's it's scripted. We don't impro mm-hmm. It's like learning theatre for television. There's it's a two hander that goes for really long takes, mm. and you're often doing complex things with craft or yeah. learning a new song at the same time and. It's a tricky it's a tricky mm. thing to shoot so that's why it's said that it's a really great great way to hone your skills constantly as a performer. Yeah. And in terms of the writing because I've been writing for the show for many years now too, mm. the way that each episode happens is early learning specialists and the producers brainstorm around whatever is a current need in the early learning world for mm. preschoolers okay. and then they'll come up with a theme and then each series has five episodes around that theme. So okay. last year, for example, I wrote a series on gizmos and gadgets mm-hmm. and understanding because that's such a big part of yeah. the preschool landscape now, right? Absolutely. So then each episode, for each single episode, you meet for two hours. So for one episode I'll sit down with two early learning specialists and the producer and myself with the brainstorm about that particular episode and we mm. go through and then i I go away and I'll spend days and days writing the ep. And so there's just so much love and work and care mm. and detail that goes into every single page of that show. Mm. And it's. There's nothing like that these days. Yeah. And there's yeah. it's a unique and wonderful treasure that I hope is
0: preserved always. Mm, me too. That's so special. It looks like a lot of work and even just thinking about you having to learn all the lines and the dances and the songs and the craft <laughs> and and everything that goes into it but then realizing that there's consultations with early learning specialists and so much thinking that goes into you know, it's not just a bit of fun for the kids. There's real purpose with each episode. Mm, Amazing. Absolutely. And do you I mean, as a kid, my favorite presenters were John and Benita. And so do you ever spend time with, you know, some of those giants of the early years?
1: No, I haven't, unfortunately. And what's funny is I don't even spend that much time with the girls. Oh really? generally me and a guy on stage yeah, or on the show right so yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like I see Michelle in passing I'm like hi yeah. but we never actually get to work together so it's a really funny thing where you are definitely in a in a little bubble in a little mm. vacuum yeah with uh the girls and, and one one other presenter generally okay. so
0: there's no big yeah. play school kind of Christmas party at the end of the year when everyone gets together
1: we do have a little Christmas lunch but it, again, it's, it's actors being actors are generally all over the place. Yeah, So it's a rare, I do love it when we have, sometimes we'll, they'll manage to do a big like media shoot and rehearsing in the concert for the year day. And then we get to, we do get to all see each other, but it's like once a year, mm-hmm. that would be it.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, you sort of just imagine that there's this whole like play school community and everyone kind of knows everyone, but yeah, I suppose you're right. Everyone's just doing their own thing and coming in for their individual episodes, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, well, you're bursting my play school bubble there.
1: I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, we, we really just all hang out in the green room yeah. together all day and just We're do craft. Craft with and, and
0: Big Ted and Little Ted. Big Ted, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, I've actually got a, a Big Ted from the 80s that I've passed on to my three-year-old now who takes great pride in looking after him now and
1: oh that's so cute yeah
0: I just think it's so (laughs) special and it's so nice to be able to share that with your own kids you know to have that thread of commonality from across the decades yeah so you come across as a very bubbly and effervescent person on tv and certainly I guess for play school you know you're playing a role but Do you ever sort of feel the pressure to be the person that the kids and the parents might see you as when you're out in your real life and on social media or are you able to just totally separate the two?
1: I definitely separate the two. Mm -hmm. I in terms of social media I've always had this I'm very aware that everything is curated of course Mm -hmm. but I've definitely had this desire that I maintain a version of who I am, right, that is as close to, I never post anything that doesn't come from a moment that I'm really contemplating that thing, that I want to share it, that I'm excited about something. So I try to keep that as authentic as possible and keep the conversation as much of mine as I can make it, Mm -hmm. recognising that really nothing on social media is completely authentic yeah. or uncurated or or real. Yeah. So that in that world I try to be as me as possible in the, in the real world absolutely I I try to separate it. Mm. I think I feel a little bit of pressure when when Gabriel was younger I did mm-hmm. those days when you're spending a lot of time in in the park and you you just pray that your child is not the one who's going to have a meltdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think back then and and probably I had some work to do in my own head around the story I had of myself being a single parent and not having a perfect picture. Mm-hmm. And so going out into the world when he was young and he was a reflex baby and I was sleep deprived mm-hmm. and it was a challenging time in my life. Yeah. And it was certainly the opposite to the person who was standing on stage singing If You're Happy and You Know It in a concert. Yeah. And I I probably felt a little bit of sadness around that Mm. and a little bit of grief that there was so much going on underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. But I think sharing that with other women and being as honest about that as possible on social media and in interviews and everything else Mm. in many ways was quite healing for me to go, practice what you preach, you know, yeah. if you are going to genuinely believe that it's okay to not be perfect, then be okay with it yourself. Cause if you're not okay with it yourself, then other people will feel like it's not okay. And, and fundamentally I want to feel more connected to other women and I want other women to feel like we're not doing this crazy journey alone. Mm. And so, yeah, it was, it was probably more challenging when he was younger okay yeah. and I was in the in the in the eye of the storm just so to speak yeah
0: and maybe you felt like there were more eyes on you too because with a if you had a little a little toddler you're mixing with other parents of toddlers who were probably all watching play school and know exactly who you are when you're in the park or you in the supermarket or in the GP's office and all of those things and maybe now that their kids are a little bit older, they might wonder how they know you or, you know, it maybe feels less pressing. Yes, in the yeah. Kitchen.
1: And I think too when you have a kid with, with reflux who cries all the time and vomits mm. and you're, you haven't slept for almost two years mm. and, and it can feel, it probably felt more like that than it was. Mm. I, and I in retrospect, I think all parents probably feel like that in that phase. Like all parents of a reflux baby feel like everyone's, Looking at them because their baby's always crying and vomiting. Mm. And absolutely, I probably felt like I had more eyes on me yeah. because of being on the show. But yeah. the reality probably wasn't that. There were people, most people are probably just feeling really bad for yeah. you. <laughs> <Thinking> like, <laughs> but you look so tired and <laughs> that your baby seems very unsettled. Yeah. And so I wonder yeah I wonder whether it's just most women probably feel that judgment anyway. No one wants to be the parent with the screaming child. No, no. one wants to be the parent with the child having the meltdown yeah. in a Woolworths yeah. aisle. No one does no. and so as much as i I may have felt a little more judgment, mm. I don't think it was actually real. I think most of us feel that and and it's it's something that I wish we were better at doing for each other Mm -hmm. and I try to do it now is letting other mums know who I can see are struggling whether it's with a smile or offering to do something Mm. to let them know they're not alone because I do think that is the biggest tragedy of the time right now of parenting is that we're doing it so wrong we're living in tiny apartments three or four of us in tiny apartments Mm -hmm. by ourselves not sleeping and not sharing the experience and not telling each other how awful it is half of the time mm-hmm. and and if we just helped each other more and and let each other off the hook a bit more mm-hmm. i think it would it would change things dramatically
0: yeah and there's there's kind of two culprits for that really isn't there we've lost that village mentality that you know we were totally. created for And social media, which is that, as you said, that curated highlights reel that so many people are just putting the best versions of themselves up. And I think that's one of the things I really connected with in terms of your social media presence. You're so genuine and the things that you put on there, it's not, okay, maybe maybe they're curated, of course, but it's not just like everything's great and kumbaya and I'm having it all and doing it all, (laughs) look at me. It's like, you know what, this is really hard and this is what was happening for me and putting it all out there about being a single mum and not trying to present you just a superwoman who can just do it all because it's impossible for any of us to to be able to live like that. And it sets a terrible standard for, for women, as you say, who are probably feeling very isolated and distressed by the challenges of parenthood, which we all know uh, can be terrifying and and awful at any given moment so I think that's such an important thing that you're doing sharing all of those parts of yourself and or at least some of them with women out there and
1: no there was there was a point where my mum was like I don't think it's a great idea (laughs) sharing that stuff because you know from her generation she just didn't understand it and and I said to her I wish someone was sharing this with me and I have so many people who would say oh you're you're so inspiring all the things you're doing how do you do it and I'm like not very gracefully (laughs) I promise not very gracefully I want to have a big life I want to have a rich life I Mm. love everything I do but please be under no illusion that this is easy and that I don't Mm. get lonely and that I don't feel the challenges every every day because I do and I think." And I said to Mum, I think it's a disservice by not being honest. And I and I I can't and it's not like I I feel bleak about it. I genuinely feel like we are all, all of us on the battlefield of parenthood or or as a as a female also who is looking at the fact that she's not gonna have kids. Maybe it's yeah. too late, yeah. or <clears throat> you know, she's separated from a long term relationship and now she has to meet mm-hmm. someone in a hurry or we, we all have our challenges at this yeah. point in our life as women who you know late thir- 30s early 40s I feel like it's a really yeah. big time and it's a really challenging and confronting absolutely. time and I think it's a disservice that we don't acknowledge that for each other.
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and we attribute shame to all of those things you know mm. and and I think that's the thing that breeds you know it's all that undercurrent of you know when you're not talking about it and you're feeling like whatever it is in your life is a shameful thing you can't help but compare your life to whatever you're seeing on social media and yeah it's fun looking at influencers from time to time and people that are doing like cool crazy sexy amazing things but Mm. that's not the stuff that anyone really connects with no one really Mm. wants to hear those stories I think it's, as you say, far more beneficial to hear the stories of the people that are living in reality and struggled through a particular time or day or period in your life and connecting those dots up again for people. Totally.
1: And I think one of my great loves is the yoga philosophy and the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the primary texts, is set on a battlefield. Mm. Like it's not set on yoga retreat <laughs> drinking smoothies <laughs> and getting massages. It's set on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. And at the beginning of it it starts with our hero saying to Krishna who is, you know, the universe or god or whatever you want to call it, he's having a conversation with our hero who's the everyday man, the warrior, and he looks out on the battlefield at his at his cousins and his Teachers and his uncles, and he's like, "I can't fight. I don't want to fight Mm. these people." And the universe is like, "Well, dude, you have to. You're 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 a warrior." Mm. But I will show you how to get a clear mind. I'll teach you yoga. I'll show you how to to face the battles as gracefully as possible. And I think that for me is very liberating Mm. to go. We are all every day on the battlefield of life, whatever is happening, Mm. and. yes it's it's exciting to be inspired by how big life can be and stay curious about that and at the same time not feel shame and not feel bad when things aren't so great mm-hmm. and and acknowledge for each other that hey, you know over here I know it looks rosy, but I have my challenges too yeah and I think if you I, I quite like the the power of social media to connect everyone. So that in every moment of every day, I get a sense of where, you know, all my friends are at Mm. and all the people I love and I get to be inspired by people I admire. And then I have this hate relationship with it as well, Mm. of course. Yeah. But the hate relationship is really about me. It's always the stuff. It's like, well, why? Why am I finding it challenging today. Why am I finding it challenging to get out of this vortex of a rabbit hole of mm, stories. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, <clears throat> and it's great teaching for me because it's like, sorry Rachel, you cannot say you have no time when you've just spent <laughs> 55 minutes looking at people's stories. So that's true. a that's so 55 true. minutes of reading that book that's been next to your bed yes. for two years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Exactly.
1: So there's lots of for me there's lots of good Teaching in in my my hate part of the relationship mm-hmm. with social media.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So we just need to be a little bit more reflective, maybe, of how we're using it and how it's affecting us, and look at why it's. Okay I think so. Yeah,
1: I think so. And as you say, there's great stuff on there. I get inspired by so many people, mm-hmm. so many people, and sometimes a quote will come up or someone's picture will come up and I'm like, I'm so happy that person is happy. I'm so per- happy that that person is doing that thing. And I haven't thought of them for ages, mm. <clears throat> but then on the flip side, I think everything can be, can be a learning if we take responsibility. Yeah, And if I feel like I need to delete my insta and facebook if i'm like in one of those phases where i'm like (laughs) i need to delete it i'm spending too much time or whatever it is going on a cleanse yeah going on a cleanse i i have to like just check in with myself i guess it's like what we're saying before if the days when i'm just not managing as well i have to check in with myself because there's generally really great intel Mm. in that experience for me yeah there's generally something that's out of balance, mm. and there's generally something i can I can do and change without having to radically like you know delete
0: things or yeah. Um, yeah. Delete, or feel shame for the day. yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess it's this mindset that makes you the perfect person to be a yoga teacher because that's another little feather to your cap, isn't it? That's a, a sort of a big part of what you're doing outside of the creative world
1: yes I would say I often say that you know storytelling is my passion and yoga is my life Mm, yeah
0: okay and you've got a a new project coming up that incorporates both parts of your life
1: yes it's a few years in the making (laughs) I I care deeply about and I love writing and creating stuff for young people Mm -hmm. I think it's it's an audience where their mental, their physical health, their creativity can be we can create change. Mm -hmm. Right. And and at the same time, I feel like as we've we've discussed, content it's just not going in a direction that excites me. Yeah. And and there was very little stuff I could find for Gabriel when he was at preschool Facing the inevitable reality that there's gonna be screen time in their lives, I think. It's very hard to have no screen time and certainly by the time they get to school there's this whole kind of peer thing that happens too mm. where kids are talking about what they're watching yeah so I really wanted to create something that brought those passions together mm. that, that brought together my storytelling working with kids and the yoga stuff which I think has the potential it certainly has changed my life and and has helped me just with my humanity <laughs> with being a human being <laughs> Yeah. And with my mental health and with my physical health. And mm. so we, I've been playing with this idea of story time yoga for a long time, mm-hmm. kind of putting together storytelling with the physical asana and the the philosophy of yoga. And Natasha Pitsika, my producer and creative partner, we've created a, a few little things together and we decided to a couple of years ago to try and write this show Rachel and the Minis which would be myself and a bunch of kids in nature always in beautiful landscapes that would inspire Mm. kids to want to go outside and use their bodies to tell stories yeah and so we've we've created a pilot we put a lot of time and money and energy into creating this pilot Mm. (laughs) and we're just about to launch a kickstarter and crowdfund because I spent the past year with the pilot in hand meeting with networks and producers and corporate sponsors and I just felt like there there's so many constraints mm-hmm. understandably within those frameworks and I really wanted to create something wild and beautiful that that wasn't subject to those constraints mm. and so I came full circle with it and I said to Tash I really want to crowdfund it I want to make the the thing that we really wanted to make and then if we don't manage to to raise the money then we gracefully let it go it's that thing of you either create what you really want to bring to the world mm-hmm. and at a time where I think it's more important than ever yeah. and then if it's not meant to be and there's not an audience for it then we know there's not and we can gracefully let it go so mm-hmm. we're just about to launch the kickstarter campaign that's been a whole like massive learning curve in itself yeah. because the kickstarter world and the startup world is completely new to me (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like oh god here we go another learning curve and um, but now I'm just really excited because all the 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 past few months all the work's been done and and we're about to launch
0: wow that is so exciting well it's definitely something that every one of my friends would be interested in for their kids I'm sure there's a market for it so where can people go to jump into this kickstarter fund
1: so there's a video which a promo video which shows, which gives you an idea of the pilot and explains what we're going to do. And that will be on my Facebook page. It'll be in Kickstarter. It's called Rachel and the Minis. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, we're going to give it 30 days. Amazing. I know. All
0: right. Well, I'll make sure I put the links up in the show notes to your Facebook, Instagram, your website too. And then if anyone's interested in contributing, then do jump on. It sounds like a really worthy cause. Absolutely.
1: That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Of course.
0: Well, Rach, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I feel like we could probably unpack all the problems of the world for the next few hours.
1: <laughs> totally.
0: <laughs> but maybe, maybe this is a good place to leave it so that people can keep Rachel and the minis in mind and get behind this really important project.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jana. I really appreciate it and I appreciate having our chat. It's been great.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been really great. And I hope everyone has gotten as much out of it as I have. And like I said, all the details to get in contact with Rach and follow up on her projects will be in the show notes. So, Rach, once again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. (laughs) See you next time. Thanks, Rach. (laughs) Bye. Bye.